Hi guys, it's Real Talk with Tracy. What do I want to talk about today? I want to talk, I really don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about when you have so much emotional pain that you feel like the cup is just running over. It feels like an analogy would be walking down the street and all of a sudden a garbage truck comes up and dumps all this garbage on you and you're drowning. You're absolutely drowning in all this garbage and you can't breathe and you're so scared and you're so just incredibly hopeless and sad and you're trying to crawl out of it and you don't know if you're ever going to make it to where you can breathe, to where you could feel normal again, to where you could free yourself and feel like mentally that you're okay. I had a major meltdown and I am sharing this with you. Why? I am sharing this with you because even though it's humiliating and embarrassing and I hate to show my weakness because I consider it a weakness not to be able to handle my emotions like this, this is something that's been so bad yesterday that it, has, it hasn't happened to me probably in a couple years that I've been this low, so low like... I don't want to even go on anymore. I mean, just really the pain, the emotional pain that I was feeling, it was almost like someone cutting off like my hand or my foot or something. That's the only way I could describe it. I could not contain it. And I didn't want to have to bother my husband and I don't want to look weak to my husband and I don't. I always want to be this person that's the cheerleader for everybody else. I always want to be this person that's there for everybody else. I want to be the strong woman. Um, People look up to me. People turn to me for advice. And I didn't want to ask for help, but I was drowning and I, I, I just can't explain to you how much emotional pain I was in. Some people never feel this. My husband never has super highs like I do, and he never has horrible lows like I do. He's kind of in the middle. And I think it's such a blessing to be a person like that rather than having these incredible mood swings. And I think I know what a lot of this is from. There's a few things. So we're at the holidays and I'm seeing all these pictures and a lot of my friends have kids and grandkids and there's pictures of all their celebrations and I don't have that. You know, I have this amazing husband who I am so, so incredibly grateful for and his sister is a beautiful, wonderful person and I have wonderful friends And I did meet my biological brother three to four years ago, who I absolutely adore, but he's out of state. And I've had a lot of loss. I've had a lot of loss. If you've listened to a lot of my podcasts, you'll know that I hadn't talked to my mother that raised me, my aunt, for 39 years, that she was 
like Mommy Dearest. She was a total narcissist, a raging alcoholic. She was very dangerous. I put myself into a foster home to get away from her. And her sister, that was my biological mother, you know, gave me to her. And even all through her life, when I was going through all this trauma, never took me back, never saved me from this, you know, was co-raising somebody else's kids while I was in a foster home. And I felt very unimportant. I felt abandoned. Um... My biological dad, another just ultimate narcissist, never paid child support, walked out on me and my mother, and then wanted to come back because his sister pushed him to develop a friendship with me. And when I called him out on a few things, he just cut me off like, you know, a taco wrapper. You buy the taco and the wrapper goes in the trash and he just like walked away because we had a disagreement. Um, he's not capable of being there. He doesn't understand what it is to be a parent, to be a friend, to have empathy. Zero empathy. Zero empathy. Doesn't do charity. Everything's about himself. Me, 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 me. And so I don't have that relationship. Um it's hard. I was really afraid to have kids because I thought that I would give birth possibly to like someone like my mother. And it scared the crap out of me because once you have kids, you can't put it back. Um, and my husband never came to me and said, you know, I really want kids. We were both big career people. And it wasn't even that. There was just, it was, it made me afraid. I was my mother's mother at 12 years old. I would be like, where are you going? What time are you coming home? Who are you going with? You know, waiting up all night for my mother. My mother coming home with like strange men in the middle of the night from the nightclub. You know, pulling me out of bed to play the piano. So it was, um, I've been through a lot of trauma. And then I have lost a lot. I have had friends move away out of state, which is not anyone's fault. This happens. But every time this happens, I feel left behind. And I, um, it's painful. My very closest girlfriend, who I adore, got early onset Alzheimer's. And she is now in a care facility. She's 68 years old. And I, I flew up and I saw her. And I love her. I love her as much as you would love a sister. Um, she was such an incredible presence and light in my life. I used to say next to my husband, you're like, you're number two. I felt so connected to her and we would have these in-depth conversations for like an hour at a time on the phone. And you guys, she really got me. She really saw me. She saw my value. She knew me. Um, we used to work together when I was working at L'Oreal. I remember hiring her and just thinking, I just came across a gem. I mean, just like fell head over heels for her from the moment I met her. And then working together probably 15 years, we got downsized around the same time and we maintained our friendship. And she 
was just so articulate and so wonderful and so warm and so loving. And I would go to my mailbox and there would be a little, you know, note, little card from Kim. And she would just be like, I love you so much. Here's $10 for gas money. And I'm like, what? You're sending me $10 for gas money. I don't need gas money. What are you sending me this for? Like every time I would do something nice or ship her something, she always felt the need to reciprocate. And she got this freaking Alzheimer's and I didn't want to believe it in the beginning. And now she's in uh, a care center and I went up and I saw her and it breaks my heart. Um, one of the reasons it breaks my heart so much is that I had so many dreams of going on vacation with her and spending time with her. And, you know, I, when her husband was alive and he was blind, um, I said to her, listen, let me take you guys to Hawaii. Like, you don't even have to worry. I'll pay for it. Let me, and they could afford it, but I just said, look, you don't even have to worry about the money or anything. Let me plan a trip. We'll go to Hawaii. You don't have to worry about getting lost. You don't have to worry about anything happening with Mike. I'll be like your seeing eye dog. Like, I'll be the seeing eye dog and we'll just go to Hawaii and we'll just have a great time, the three of us you know, or my husband could come too if he wants, right? She would not let me do that. And when she was having a hard time paying her bills, she would not let me fly up and help her pay her bills. There was so much I wanted to do for her and she was so embarrassed about the whole thing. She didn't want me to see her. Now when I call her, she's like, where are you? Why aren't you here with me? Why am I here without you? You're my best friend. I love you. So I'm going through knowing that she's going to be passing away. And I made a promise to her to talk to her every week, which I'm doing no matter what, even if she doesn't remember me. But so far she does. And I flew up and I saw her and I spent time with her and she has no recollection that I was there. So I try to remind her. Um, I've sent her some stuffed animals and things like that, but it's heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking losing somebody who you love so much. I thought, God forbid something happened to our husbands. We would live together like the golden girls, right? Um, I just miss her. You guys, I miss our conversations. I miss my friend and I had another friend last year that died from cancer and I have two other friends right now that have terminal cancer and I had a guy that moved in next door that started smoking pot from morning till night. So every time I would open my slider or open my window in my house, I had to smell weed and I had been over to their house so many times knocking on their door. They refused to come to the door. They wouldn't talk to me. I started feeling a lot of hate for them. I started feeling a lot of anger for them. I felt like they're ruining my life. Like I can't even breathe in my own house and I get migraines. And then I started going on my computer and it says your memory's full. So I'm like, okay, so I went on my computer and I started cleaning out old pictures and I see pictures of me and my biological dad. 
And I know how he just threw away our relationship. And I feel abandoned again. Um, it's so hurtful to me. Um, and I start looking, okay, so there's pictures of my half-sister who's like, I don't know, on another planet. Um, you know, all these people that have problems, it's not a reflection that I did anything wrong and I know that, but still I'm in this situation. In 2020, my aunt and mother died the same week in October and I'll never know why my aunt never tried to reach out to me. She missed my entire life. So all this stuff is swirling in my head. And usually, um, I could really handle things pretty well. Um, I bought a hair care product. This is going to sound stupid, but I broke out. And I contacted the company and I said, I broke out all over my hairline and I want to return this and they won't let me. So on every turn, I feel like I'm being shut out. Um, I got this new health care and... I'm trying to get my medication and I'm having to call two, three, four, five times. I keep going back and forth to Walgreens. My doctor's not filling my medication because Walgreens probably has the wrong number. And then I call the insurance and they're like, oh, your insurance has been not active for a month, which is not true. So I just feel so pushed away. I feel so shut out. Yesterday morning, I could not get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, I got out of bed to let the dogs out to go to the bathroom and I fed them and I got back in bed and I couldn't get out of bed. And I'm like, I want to get out of bed. I want to do something. I need to go grocery shopping. There's stuff I need to do around the house, but I just, I can't get out of bed. And like after like noonish, I finally get out of bed and I take a shower and I cannot, I mean, by that time, the trash heap is on me. I, I, I am having such a hard time controlling how I'm feeling. And because I'm on Prozac for OCD and depression, I don't cry easily, but I started bawling and I wound up taking a picture, which I'm going to post on here. It's a really ugly picture. I, I look at it and it's like, who's that person? That doesn't even look like me. I posted that picture and I sent it to my husband and I said, help me. I need you to come home. He works close by. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. I was sad. But I felt like if he wasn't going to come home, like I was going to die. The pain that I was feeling was so intense, like somebody cut off part of my body, the emotional pain. And I've been there before. And usually intellectually, I can ground myself. I could say to myself, okay, I don't want to die, even though I feel like I do. Um, this is a passing thing. I have a wonderful husband, I have a great sister-in-law, I have good friends, I got some money in the bank, um, you know, the bills are covered, I have this great woman's group that I lead, 
and I have all these things to look forward to in my life and nothing I could think of was pulling me out of feeling so, so sad. So he comes home and I'm in bed and he laid down with me and I just bawled. I just bawled and cried and talked and um, finally started to feel a little bit better. Just feeling hopeless, feeling alone, feeling like nobody cares, not feeling like I belong anywhere. Every Passover, you know, being a Jewish Christian, I'm still a Jew. I have no invitations to Passover. I have nobody to celebrate with. I just feel very left behind, kind of like when I went into the foster home, just very unimportant, just like if I went away, nobody would notice, um, just hopeless. And I called my shrink and I pressed like the star two or whatever. If there's an emergency, press this number. And for the first time, I think, in 25 years, I pressed this number because I thought I may have to be put in the hospital because I was in so much agony that I didn't know a way out of it. I didn't know if I could make it through. I really didn't. I thought maybe I'm having a breakdown and I'm going to have to be committed, you know? Um, and it's a really scary thought to think that like so out of control. So... Um, hours go by. Meanwhile, my husband's been here. Um, lots of hugs, lots of love. I'm feeling somewhat better. He goes back and I get a call from my shrink's office like three hours later saying that he's going to give me a phone appointment in three days. And you guys, I'm furious. I'm furious. It's like, what a way to drop the ball. You're supposed to be a mental health professional. So I call back, leave a message for his office, and I'm like, this is completely unacceptable. If it wasn't for my husband, I could be dead right now. And it could be partially your fault because I reached out to you. You're supposed to be my health care provider. I pressed like the star, whatever you know, whatever number it is, like if you're having a major breakdown, you press that number, you know, that number that you don't want to press because you don't want to feel like a loser, right? And he doesn't get back to me. So she says to me, he's on vacation. I said, you know what? I don't care that he's on vacation. He is a freaking psychiatrist. Okay. If you're going to go on vacation and you're going to be a psychiatrist and you have people that at moments could have like a mental break, you have to put somebody on call. You don't just call back three hours later and then say, oh, I'll talk to you in three days. I mean, when I called him, I was like not consolable. I mean, it was, it was bad. And I don't want to sound dramatic, but this is why people kill themselves, you guys, because they always say, oh, why didn't he reach out? You know, first of all, it's completely humiliating when you feel this way. And secondly, there's so many times you try to reach out. I called my insurance. They gave me a phone number. I called them. They're like, you don't have coverage. And I'm like, what? Yes, I do. So now I'm feeling like crap and I'm having to argue with somebody that I do have coverage just to try to talk to somebody. But thank God, you know, my husband was there. I woke up this morning. I feel strong again. 
I feel so much better. And I got to tell you, I feel like God gave me a break yesterday. I can never get a hold of my neighbors. I've knocked on their door. I've sent them messages. The first time in like four to six months, my neighbor's um, garage is open and I see his car is there. Now, usually when he pulls in, he immediately closes the garage. So I've never even seen the license plate. I've never seen what kind of car he drives. And I thought, I'm just going to go look. And he's sitting in there. He's sitting in the car. And I had been crying all morning. So I'm like feeling really fragile. And, um, I've hated them a lot (laughs) because I'm so sick of smelling smoke and they're such, I mean, chronic pot smokers, um, and cigarettes, but mostly pot. Um, anyway, I motioned for him to come out of the car and he did. And I said, hi. And I, handled the conversation with so much compassion and so much love. And I said to him, you know, I respect you and you guys are my neighbors and we live next to each other and I want us to get along and I want us to be happy with each other. And I haven't been able to talk to you and I respect, you know, that you want to smoke pot. That's fine. But what I need you to know is I suffer from migraines and I've had a double up on my medication Ever since you guys moved in, I said, walk over here with me. And I pointed to my window. See that window right there? That's like right next to where your house is. Every time you smoke, my house is filling up with the smell of marijuana and I'm getting headaches. And I said, I want nothing but happiness between us. And I don't want to be judgmental. I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying to you is, can you help me? Can you please be a little more, you know, careful about like where you're smoking it so I'm not suffering so much because this has been very hard on me and I've actually been crying this morning about this and so many other things and he seemed to literally be really empathetic and I wound up hugging him. I wound up giving him a hug. I wound up hugging him and thanking him for listening to me. And telling him that my two grandmothers died from smoking. And I just, I'm so sorry, but I'm having a hard time tolerating this. And can you please help me because I'm really suffering. And I want to be able to still enjoy my home. And, you know, I really needed to talk to you. And the fact that you're standing here and the fact that you're listening to me is really making me feel good. And I just want to give you another hug. And I hugged him again. I hugged him again. He would be like the age if I had a son, okay? He's like in his 30s. So I hugged him again, and I came home, and I was really proud of the way that I handled it, you know, because there's been times when I smell it, like in the middle of the night, that I just want to throw a rock at his head. I mean, I get so freaking angry. And I actually looked at the guy, and I'm thinking, What is he going through that he has to smoke this all the time? What has his life been like? What kind of problems has he had? And all of a sudden, I know nothing about him. And I started having compassion for this total stranger who's been driving me crazy. Isn't that weird? So anyway, called my friend again today. My friend. 
my friend with Alzheimer's. And again, Tracy, I love you. Why aren't you here with me? Can't you come to my house? I miss you. I love you. Can I come home with you? So my heart's breaking, and then she starts talking about all sorts of things. Somebody's on her shoulder, and, and he's scary looking, and he's in a forest, and he has a light in his forehead, and people are after her, and I'm trying to change the conversation to make her, you know, think about happy things, and she says, I lied to people, and they're after me, and, you know, my friend is suffering. She's suffering, and she's really far away. That's where her daughter decided to put her. It breaks my heart, because if she was here near me, I would be visiting her every week, and she's not. And she's really doesn't even live, she's not even near where her daughter lives. So, um, and even if I do go visit her again, she's not going to remember. So I made her a promise to call every week. I'm going to call every week. Um, I got my woman's luncheon coming up. I feel thankful that I made it through this horrible, uh, stifling emotional situation from yesterday. I, I really feel thankful that I was able to push through to the other side because I know that there's a lot of people that can't do that. And I've always tried to intellectually, even if I'm feeling like I want to die, I've always intellectually been able to ground myself. Traveling is really important to me meeting new people, going new places, sitting down, having a meal with somebody. I don't care about like the new purse or getting a piece of jewelry. I don't care about that stuff anymore. That's like years ago. I really could care less. I care about moments I get to spend with people. That's what I really value. And I thought to myself, okay, even though my retirement is crapping out because the stock market's not doing well, there's still money there. Um, eventually we're going to be able to go on some more trips. Eventually Jay's going to be able to retire. Um, and I ground myself with looking towards the future on what I could do. I want to see Thailand, you know, I want to be able to, um, I'm going to be going to Israel. There, there's certain things I want to do and I'm going to be able to do it. And in those moments of darkness, when everything is terrible, and you feel like the world is just suffocating you to where you don't want to go on anymore, there was light. There was light coming through. And I made it to another day. I made it to another day, and I feel strong again today, and I feel happy, and I'm thankful. And I am sharing my very, very vulnerable state of mind with you and it's going to be a horrible picture you're going to see. I am sharing this with you guys to let you know that you are not alone in this thing we call life. You're not. You are loved. God loves you. And I'm sending each of you that are listening lots of hugs and lots of love. Take care guys. You've been listening to Hi Guys, Real Talk with Tracy. Have a wonderful holiday season. 
2022. Bye guys.